Hello, and welcome back to the Kimberly Lovey Podcast. I am your host, Kimberly Lovey. I'm joined today by one of my best friends, Hillary Thornton. Hillary and I met at USC while earning our MBAs, our Master's in Business Administration, for those of you who don't know. Hillary and I wanted to discuss what it means to transition away from our corporate jobs in order to lean into our home life and family deeper. We discuss pros and cons of becoming stay-at-home moms. We study how the fabric of our families impacted where we are today, one of us with two working parents, and Hillary with a stay-at-home mom that did it all. Hillary also shares how her father focused on teaching her how to protect her time while still producing a steady income, both skills she lives by today. We touch on how conversations may be different now that we're stay-at-home moms and how our egos are impacted along the way. I also wanted to share that Hillary is actually writing a book on home organization, and I'm so proud of her. I cannot wait to have her back to hear all about it. With that, enjoy the episode and let's dive in. Today, I am here with one of my all-time most favorite people, Hillary Thornton. Okay, so the main point of why I wanted you here, Hill, is because I really wanted to talk about the fact that we came from a place of probably being corporate executives, dare I say one mm-hmm. Yeah, executive track. I'm comfortable with that. Yes, executive track. I love that. Beautifully said. And I feel like the two of us, so Hillary and I were both deep and heavy into the corporate world and have since become stay-at-home moms. And I think that it's a really interesting, meaty, juicy conversation to address what that looks like for smart women and women that maybe had invested a lot in our careers and all this kind of stuff. And I just feel like so many of my friends have this topic on the top of their mind. And I just was like, Hillary has to come on. So anyway, with that, welcome, Hillary. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this. There's not enough of an opportunity for this subject. I completely, completely agree. So I'll just say the way that we met was we became really, really great friends in business school. And I had a note here for Hillary and she said something that really like, I was like, (gasps) So what was your perception of me in business school, Hillary? So I don't remember the exact event or class or thing that we met at, but I remember being so intimidated by you because you had so much style and you were, you had so much like charm and character to you and business school is sort of this place where every, everyone comes like scripted in this black suit with a white shirt and all buttoned up and you were very authentic and like stylish and cool. And I was, I, and I was like doing the scripted business suit thing. Oh my God. Okay. Wait, I'm like literally dying because first of all, let's be clear. I went to San Diego state undergrad. Okay. So like the fact that I was there with all these like Harvard types was ridiculous. Like it was L Woods goes to business school at USC, <laughs> right? Like straight. So it's just so hilarious to like, hear that because when I think about you in business school, and I'm not just saying this, I remember being super like taken with you, like almost mesmerized by you because, and I can feel this way seriously because, okay, now I'm going to almost cry. Um, because you, okay. Hillary is like tall and blonde and gorgeous. And people actually used to think we were sisters, remember? And then, yes. uh, but when you speak Hillary, like you are so articulate. 
like you say things, you know, when you hear someone speak and they just say it perfectly and you're just, you're just going, yes, yes, that's exactly it. Like it doesn't matter how technical it was or how confusing it was. Like you are just like, there is a real skill with your, you have like the strongest verbal skills I think I've ever seen. So anyway, that is so, I'm so thoughtful of you to say, I really, that means so much coming from you. And I think what you're talking about is that like, I, I'm very much an introvert. And so I live inside my head. So I tend to th- like think things, maybe even overthink them before they come out. But I, I really appreciate you saying that. It means a lot. Outdoor Movies by You is not just your average rental company. We consider ourselves an outdoor movie event company. Starting in 2011, we created the idea of bringing the movie theater to your backyard. Other than maybe a park with a ton of strangers, no one really knew what the outdoor movie was. With having over 30 years of experience of being a social event planner, Carrie combined the two and has created an event company that focuses on the outdoor movie concept. Simple options to choose from, just the basic, the actor, to having it all, act two, in and out burger packages. We offer seating, swag bags, s'mores, blankets, you name it, we can get it. We like to think of ourselves as a one-stop shop. Oh, and free popcorn with every event. We have no area boundaries from Santa Barbara to San Diego and everywhere in between. Once the pandemic hit, we had never seen anything like this. Our business grew by leaps and bounds as it was the safest way to entertain. We felt that we were putting laughs and smiles on faces in such a dark time. Whether it's a date night for two or a school with a thousand, Outdoor Movies by You will roll out the red carpet every time. See us in action on Instagram at Outdoor Movies by You. Wow. Okay. So yeah, so obviously we're in love. Yada yada. <laughs> I'm amazing. We're amazing. Um <laughs> But like, I want to be honest, the whole thing with stay-at-home moms, it's been a really hard transition. So Hillary and I, both of us were on our respective paths in our own right. And I want to hear about more of your background and your story, but it's been a really tough adjustment for me, like mm-hmm. on my mental health and not what I was expecting for myself. And to find you kind of by my side in this journey is just so special and powerful and interesting because you and I both feel like we just came from this you know, world of we're killing it with men and being so successful and, you know, making a ton of money and all that great stuff to like, you know, our day consists of being spit up on wiping butt. <laughs> like society's just not giving us the high fives that like we're used to. So I think yeah, there's no office with a view for the stay at home mom. No, no, there ain't no office with the no Bay bridge view here. No, 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 nothing. Okay. So with that in mind, I'm very curious because I came from a household of two working parents. And I think what was mm-hmm. really interesting is I think it's for me, I'm always really struck by how different women perceive staying at home. Like, was it always your goal? What, how were you raised? Cause I feel like the way that we were raised really does kind of shape that initial perception. Mm-hmm. With that, I want to ask you some things and just give us some background about kind of how you came to this place. So can you just give us some background on how were you raised? How, what were the different roles of your parents? Were they married, divorced, working mom and dad, et cetera? Yeah. So my, uh, my parents were married my entire childhood. They actually, a little bit of a stereotype of they, they got divorced when the kids went to college. So my, my experience with my parents is them as a married couple, raising us together. 
very loving home. My mom was sort of like a helicopter mom before it was cool. Um, just like cutting edge of everything child safety. And my dad was a financial consultant. He was in financial services. And my parents were older when I came along. My dad was 40 when I was born. My mom was 37. So, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, but she had this whole career behind her before I even came along. She owned a landscaping company and she did sprinkler installation, large contracts, and my dad was managing a golf course. So they met on, on the job. My mom got the contract. She was installing sprinklers on a golf course when she met my dad. Oh my God. So yeah, that's kind of the background there. And so a lot of their career, a lot of the intense effort part of their career, I didn't see. Okay. And so when did she flip to a stay-at-home mom? When my older brother was born. Okay. Got it. Um, She was 35. She was 35. Okay. So the way you were born, she was always a stay-at-home mom and your dad was Mm -hmm. out working and was his job like super demanding? Was he kind of, was it like the quintessential, the dad's like gone most of the time, or was he more hands-on? Like what, what did that look like for your dad's schedule? So my dad at one point, I think it was the grind. He was building his book of business, cold calling. He tells tons of stories about cold calling and what it meant to try and find that client type. He was a stockbroker. Building the book of business was incredibly hard, but I, I didn't see that. I heard stories about it. So I think that makes a little bit of a difference in terms of how I viewed his work. What I remember is the dad who said, work smart, not hard. And he had a three, three, three plan, which was take three months off, have a three day weekend and work three hours a day. Oh my God. He was way ahead of his time. (laughs) Yeah. So if you, Yeah. Right. If you think about, um, how you perceive your parents and their career, when you're a little kid, you're like the center of your world, right? You don't even know that your parents work. It's not until you're like a teenager that you start to ask your parents questions about what he was 55 years old already. That makes sense. But I do love that model. I feel like he really, is it trademark (laughs) or patent? I don't know. Whatever the legal (laughs) is, he he cornered that. That was crazy. (laughs) Okay. So, so then this kind of begs the question, how were they raising you? And was there a difference between you and your brother, the way they were talking to you guys about your future careers and education and family life? So I, I was a little bit type A. They raised my brother and I very differently. So I was more inclined to like beat up on myself if I didn't get a good grade. And my brother was more that like adventure seeking type that he wanted to go out and have experiences that were unique that other people weren't. So like my parents were worried my brother was gonna, you know, hurt himself rock climbing and they were worried that I was going to have too much stress. So very different parents in that way. Um, And then most of what they taught us about work was how to make your money work for you and how to save and be frugal so that you had more options. Um, I think what's really popular nowadays is teaching your kids about effort and grit. I don't remember that being there. I remember learning how to study being something I did in, in undergrad and then also grad school, like kind of figuring it out on my own that like, if you, if you don't show up kind of naturally good at something, how do you actually put in the effort to get better at it? That's something I learned the hard way as an adult. 
Wait, I thought the young kids were learning how to get rich on TikTok. Are you saying that there were supposed to be <laughs> effort and grit? Because I was just going to start my social media investment in my kids. Is that the wrong approach? <laughs> I think both of those messages are definitely out there. I've seen both. <laughs> Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of the former, but okay. I'll just go with, I'll trust you. <laughs> if you see us on TikTok, like dancing around, sadly, that's, that's, yeah, you know, which one I pick. <laughs> that's so great. I love it. So then what was your perception of your mom? Like being a stay-at-home mom, was it, how did you perceive that? I knew she worked really, really hard around the clock. And I think back then I had a little bit of an understanding that she was underappreciated. Um, Maybe not by my dad. I think my dad had a ton of appreciation for her, but just by community in general. Um, I remember it wasn't uncommon for like my mom to be shuttling around me and all my friends after school. Like she'd drop me off at like jazz class and then take my friend to soccer. And like, I just thought that was normal. And she was PTA present and she was just always doing all this stuff. And uh, my parents had this dream to build this house. And by the time they were done designing it and building it, it was larger than what they needed. And I just remember my mom always trying to like keep that house clean. And then there was like expectations that they would host events there. So there was always people from church at our house and people from Boy Scouts and foreign exchange students. And just this idea that what she was doing was just a stay-at-home mom. I was like, are you kidding? She's running a hotel. <laughs> so much work. Yeah, this is all sounding real familiar, girlfriend. So right? that's, oh my God, that is so interesting. Because on this point, I have to say, this is where you and I are very different. And yeah. this is why I think it's so cool to, this is why I'm so fascinated hearing these stories from other, particularly women. Because my mom was not a stay-at-home mom. She was a working mm-hmm. mom. And now I'm doing this. I'm like, this is a lot of work. Like, this is not work for one person. This is like, I do all these like ops exercises on my house. That's a total, I could literally do a whole force on that, but Mm -hmm. um, wow. So that's really fascinating. Okay. So then it sounds like you're already very type A and like very just like hard charging driven. So in your mind, are you thinking, okay, I want to go get my education and double down on that and eventually stay home? Or like, how did you, how did business school fold into your overall plan? Uh, I, I genuinely loved real estate and I was in the real estate industry during the financial crisis. And so business school was kind of like, uh, how do you like almost the insurance policy on your career? Mm. Um, and I, saw real estate as something that I could do while being a stay-at-home mom. I thought maybe this is like the type of career path where I don't have to choose or where I can come out of it and then go back into it. Got it. Okay. And so as you're applying, what was happening with you personally? So I applied to business school for all the wrong reasons. Um, I I don't regret the experience. Um, I came out of it with, you know, wonderful friends, wonderful experiences, great career, but I applied right after my dad passed away. So I was very much trying to, I mean, he, he passed away 15 years ago and I still get weird talking about it. Oh, I'm, but, uh, I'm already <laughs> crying just to be totally transparent. I'm already crying. So I had these ideas of what I would learn from my dad. And I always thought there'd be kind of like an, another day to learn those things. You know, when you're 20, 21, 22 years old, you picture your parents there for that early part of your career and not having his guidance anymore. 
I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to business school. Cause then I'll, you know, maybe that'll be the way that I learn these things that I thought would just kind of come with being close to my father. Wait, I did not know that. No one did. I didn't talk about it at all then. Um, wait, hold on. So I just said differently, just so we're clear, you applied kind of to like fill the gap, fill the void. Yeah. Supplement the deficiencies you were missing. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I never knew that, but that does, I mean, I hate to say it, but that makes like a lot of sense, but that's like crazy. I didn't know that. Wow. I don't know how you could like focus and like be so clear headed to like go through that process while like, wow. Okay. So anyway, that's insane. That's to me, that's crazy, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, I didn't share that with anyone in business school. I mean, emotionally, I wasn't even remotely ready, right. but then also getting into business school is like, what's your canned speech elevator pitch reason for being here. And I think I even told that to friends that I was close to that I could have trusted with the more personal reasons. I just wasn't mature enough to trust people in that way or share that. Right. Plus like, you know, obviously it takes quite a bit of time to like process that kind of trauma and and all that stuff. So, okay. So that is insane. That is really makes a, a lot of sense. So then when, after you graduated, tell us what happened, what did you end up doing? So I went to school to further my real estate career and I realized like a year and a half into a two-year experience that I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, And my roommate at the time, Liz Yates was, and and I don't even keep in touch with her anymore. And I don't think she even would realize that I consider her one of those like pivotal uh, inspirational people in my life that like a kind of like a course changer. I don't, she, she wouldn't have any way of knowing that. Well, we're going to um, send her the link to the podcast and then <laughs> she's going to hear this and you're going to blow her mind. And let's say hi to Liz. Okay. Right. About her. What'd she do for you? Uh, so we were roommates. I remember sitting on our couch one day and I was talking about the offers that I had at different real estate companies, different roles, and I didn't want them. And I was super stressed out about it because I thought I had to like just suck it up and take one of them. And she was like, no, it's not too late. There are still career fairs. We're going to sign you up for one. She literally opened the laptop, like logged me in and signed me up for a career fair and like signed me up for meetings with people. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say to these people. I don't have a story for these people. I don't know what this role is or what this company is. And she was like, just show up and be yourself. And I got a job at that career fair and I moved to New York and I worked at New York Life. Holy shit. Yeah. She has no idea. (laughs) Liz, you like literally are a star. You're one of the stars in Hillary's life. (laughs) She is. That really is. That's like, wow. What a great, the actual, that feeling you get when someone takes the time to do something just completely selfless and make an effort to do something important for you. That feeling you get of just like relief that's, that's what I had that day that she was just like, we're going to do this. I don't know if it's the postpartum hormones, but I'm like, crying. <laughs> is that such a, like, seriously, what an amazing person to do that. Like that's really yeah. love and for her to like care for you that way is incredible. Okay. So she took you away from the West coast. You were at New York life. And then what happened? Um, there I, it was a rotational program. So the whole concept of the program was like, 
finding the people who are the right fit with the company, but you don't need to know what you want to do yet, which was perfect for that, that point in my life. And then, um, I, one of my rotations was on the strategy team. That's when I learned you could do in-house strategy. You didn't have to travel around to be in a consultant. You could just sit in one place and do it, which blew my mind. They didn't tell us that in business school. Um, <laughs> and so I was on their strategy team. And then I moved back to the West coast working for Charles Schwab also on their strategy team. Okay. So you were over there like crushing it. You were on the East coast. You were on the West coast. It was all, was it predominantly males in your uh, workspace? Absolutely. There were, there were definitely times where I was the only woman on the team, which was very similar to the real estate industry. So I was used to it. Um, but my manager at New York life, Dawn Barron's a woman who came from the consulting background. She was the one who took me under her wing and really taught me the nuts and bolts of what it meant to have the consulting mindset and the strategic mindset. And so Yes, my universe was mostly men, but definitely had like that strong female role model who helped shape the trajectory. Wow. You're lucky because I feel like the mentorship is really lacking with the females in particular. And I think that had I had a strong mentor, male or female at my firm, that really was like really taking me under their wing. I think things would have been even better for me, Mm -hmm. thankfully. But I think that mentorship is like a serious game changer. And I think that women don't tend to do it very well. So super amazing that you got that. Okay. So you're crushing it at work. And then where, where does your marriage come into Yogesh? How do you meet him? What happens? Cause next thing I know you're married and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? What (laughs) just happened? I'm so confused. What what happened? Um, How did you meet him? How to go down? So you were like, excellent at dating. You had like a game plan. You knew what you were looking for. You did not suffer fools. You were like, this is what we're doing. And I was the opposite. I was like, oh, you know, they mean well, maybe I should go out with them again. Just wasted so much time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. A framework. (laughs) Right. I needed a spreadsheet. Um, but all jokes aside, we met on Bumble. Uh And as so many people do these days, and he was living in New York and I was living in San Francisco. And as we were chatting on the app, um, I didn't realize that he hadn't moved to San Francisco. I thought he, cause he knew the Bay area really well. He was familiar with San Francisco. And so I actually almost canceled our first date. I tried to get out of it because I thought he was like doing like the tourist work guy thing where you're like in town for a meeting and you like try and set up a date with someone you're never going to see again. And so I messaged him. I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were still in New York. I, you know, I'm looking for something a little bit more serious than that. And he was like, okay, you know, I completely respect that, but you know, I'm dating seriously now too. And I spend a lot of time in the Bay area, you know, would you, be willing to consider just meeting me for a quick drink. I'll meet you somewhere near your office. So he, he talked me out of, um, kind of breaking it off before it even started happening. Firing him. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) And so he was in town for two weeks, that first trip. Uh, his sister lived in the Bay area and he, uh, was working. He had meetings in the Bay area. And so we had three dates. Our last date was 
in Napa. We spent the whole day in Napa together. He picked me up. We drove up there. It was wonderful. And I knew right away I had to see him again. So kind of all that BS that goes along with dating where you like try and be coy and not, we didn't do any of that. It was like, you live in, we live on opposite sides of the country. This is going to have to be very intentional. (laughs) And so I booked the flight. I went out to see him and the rest is history. Oh my gosh. Okay. And then, so he, I think this is actually a really, really cool part of your story. If you don't mind sharing, yeah. So he is Indian and you are mm-hmm. white. Uh, dare I mm-hmm. say. So can you, I mean, personally, I've been to a couple Indian weddings. I've learned about some, and it depends on the regions and it's it, yeah. the culture is definitely not a one size fits all. It's yeah. not homogeneous at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was that like stepping into that Indian culture, any traditions, like tell us more about that. Yeah. So my husband is from a suburb outside of New Delhi. He moved here, uh, for graduate school. And so his whole childhood, his whole upbringing in India, his whole adult life here. Um, I think the, you're talking about like, you know, the, all the different cultures and the breadth of religion and tradition in India. He comes from the Hindu tradition, speaks Hindi, um, and part of that tradition is to have arranged marriages. And I absolutely did not understand them until I met him. And I had had Indian friends who tried to explain it to me and it just never clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has two sisters, two older sisters. One has an, had had an arranged marriage and one had um, a married a, a man that she met on her own. Uh, they're both the most wonderful men. It, it's a great family I, I married into. I couldn't be happier. They're the most, they're, they're older than us. They're the most supportive um, of our careers and of how we're, you know, raising our baby and just always around and just tons of fun and always tons of music. And it's amazing. I couldn't have asked for better in-laws, but what I noticed that was different about dating was even though he didn't want an arranged marriage, he wanted to date in kind of the U S more modern way. He still brought with him that value system of like, if I'm going to be dating, I want to find out the same things about this person that my parents would find out if they were picking someone for me. So like, what kind of values do you have? What do you want your family to look like? How many kids do you want to have? What kind of goals do you want to have? The kind of things that would like scare an LA boy out of a date, like right Right. away, he was just putting out there and it was so refreshing. I loved it. It was, it was There's no better way to put it than no BS. I love it. It's like, he's working backwards and I just freaking love that. Yeah. Yeah. There's no point in waiting until you've been dating someone for three months to find out that you want to have, you know, three kids and they want none. So like the first date he was asking you probably like the second or third, but yeah. Yeah. That sounds like exactly like my screening process. Yeah. I was dating. That's exactly what I was doing. I was like, do you do drugs? Yes. No. Like I had a whole checklist and it's like, but it was like the, all the deal breakers of like, what's your relationship with your mom? You know, all that stuff with Brian. And it's weird because he wasn't scared. Whereas every other, (laughs) 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 I I love that though, that he did that. Okay. So it was refreshing. Cool. Yes. I love that. So pros and cons of working or not, like, I really need to get into this with you. So like for me, like, so in your mind, were you thinking I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom one day? Cause you, you mentioned that real estate, you thought you could kind of do both, but like, can you talk a little bit about how you came to 
give up your career, lean into the stay-at-home mom, and tell us more about that journey. So it was a a bit of a plan um, in that I saw how I was raised and how involved my mom was, and I didn't know how I could possibly do that in the same style that I saw and do my job the way that I was doing it. I just did, that did not compute. That was not an option. Um, and so the pros and cons of it, I guess like, I, I do feel like I'm missing something. Like I'm missing out on the adult conversation. I'm missing out on solving big problems. I'm missing out on that intellectual stimulation. And then I think the part that we don't talk about as much is the ego part. Like it, oh, yeah. it hurts my ego to not have those things to wake up every morning, you know, get dressed, put on my, you know, rent the runway dress that I bought for or got for an important meeting and go to the nice office and talk to the executives, right? That like, even if I didn't always enjoy that, it hurts my ego to not have those stories and be involved in that lifestyle anymore. Gosh, I cannot, I love, again, I love the way you phrase that and you hit right on the ego. I think that is one of the hardest things that nobody talks about. I love that you highlight it because it's a big deal. Like I'm going to share. So one of our really good friends just got an amazing opportunity. And I texted you about this mm-hmm. amazing opportunity, um, to be chief of staff for a huge company. She, I adore her. I'm so happy for her, like overjoyed. I'm like, this is made for you. Like you are made for this role. Like I'm, I'll help you negotiate. I want you to kill it. Like I'm rooting for this girl, but I don't know. It did something to me that it made me feel like I'm, it reminded me I'm missing out and it yeah. made me feel like, holy shit, this is exactly the kind of job I should be doing, making a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But I will say that when I quit my job, I was offered another job, a ton of money, a stupid what I would consider a stupid amount of money. I'm sure other people, maybe it's not, but for most people, it's kind of a stupid amount of money and a huge title, a co-CEO position (laughs) and all this stuff. And I finally, I had a real coming to Jesus and I'm like, look, like at what point is my ego more important is enough money, enough money. Like Mm -hmm. is there that like margin of diminishing returns? And I started to really say the most limited resource is time. It's not chasing the dollars. And there's always going to be people that have more than you. So like, I think it's really hard to walk away from the big title, the big salary and, you know, your designer suits and all the fancy things in the board, the board room, you know, when you're crushing it. Mm Mm-hmm. I think so many women, they don't have a big career to give up. So for them, just strictly looking at the numbers, if you're making X amount and nannies cost Y amount or childcare, like it literally does not pay to work. You and I were not in that situation. Mm -hmm. We were still making enough where we could hire whatever, however, to make it all go down. So yeah. Okay. So then what happened? When did you quit your job? Was it before you got pregnant after? after oh yeah. So did that actually happened and what was the thought process? So I actually quit, um, my job maybe six months before we got pregnant and we were actually studying. This sounds so cheesy when I say it out loud. Are you familiar with the fire movement? No. Financial independence, retire early. Okay. I love, go ahead. Tell me. 
other people call it like mini retirements. So it's all about being ultra frugal so that you can retire early. And so it's ultra frugal, uh, passive income streams, like gig economy, basically how much money do you have to save to maintain your lifestyle without having to have that like corporate lifeline. And so I was trying to figure out how to do that before I even like that was, I was very into that before I met Yogesh. So it just sort of that path that I was on learning how to do that with passive income streams sort of fell in line with when I met him and when we decided to have Ashutosh. And so by the time I was a stay at home mom, I had already left the corporate world. Got it. So are you in like Bitcoin and NFTs? Like what's your, what's your game? No. <laughs> How do you retire us? Come on. Um, we're rental. We have a few rental properties. So that's, that's part of it. Um, saving up a ton from when I was working, you know, we're not, we're not the family that's going out and getting, you know, the extra TVs or the latest iPhone. We didn't buy all the baby gear. We didn't, you know, go out with a realtor and, you know, our pre-approved mortgage to buy the biggest house we could, you know, we're, we're, what's the, what's the minimum that we can get by on so that we're not tied to our jobs is the mindset. I love that. And so is he still in his normal job or did he quit also? He, he loves his job. Um, he has a PhD in what he does, right? Like very academic mindset about his work. Um, and he loves it. So he was, he, he's in a very different position than I was in that, um, I derived like a lot of value out of my career, but I wasn't passionate about the actual thing I was working on. Mm. He's different in that he does get some fulfillment. He gets a lot of fulfillment from, from going to work. So fire movement doesn't really work for him, but he loves like how frugal I've taught myself to be. I love that. So and to that end, since we're talking about him a little bit more, I think a big part of and going back to kind of t- linking these concepts, like ego being a big factor for like successful women like us, dare I say, how, I think it's really important how your partner makes you feel mm-hmm. at home. And I can say, some days I don't respect myself <laughs> I should, because I'm like, All right, but what is a stay-at-home mom? Like, am I a loser? I'm so confused. Like I'm, it's very, it's been very disorienting. Like I said, but I will say Brian really genuinely respects me in a way that I, if I were him, I don't think I would have that same level. And I think it's because the way he was raised was with a stay-at-home mm-hmm. mom that was amazing. So how does Yogesh make you feel valued or respected it's night and day different from sort of the community messages I got about stay-at-home moms when I was a kid. I remember father saying things like, I make the money, she spends the money. It almost conjures up this image of this like mom who's out lunching with her girlfriends, just spending money willy-nilly. And I think because Yogesh and I have a shared business background, he understands that like being a stay-at-home mom isn't childcare and housework. It is childcare and housework, which are very important to him. He really values, 
you know, how I teach our son to do things and how I care for him and our parenting style and philosophy, super important. But then on the other end of it, on the business side of it, he also understands that running the household is the ops side of the business. And it's not as glamorous as the revenue generating side of the business. Um, But how you budget your passive income, all of that is so important. And not everyone can be on the revenue generating side of the business. Someone has to run ops. You are the only, literally the only other person that has brought ops into the equation when in the context of stay-at-home mom, the only other person, because I was just saying to one of my friends, that's a working mom consultant, whatever about from an operational perspective, having one person at home is like the work. It it doesn't make sense operationally. Like one person, the mom is doing the work of like Mm -hmm. six people. At any mm-hmm. given time. And it doesn't matter if you have one child or six kids, because there's different stations happening at all times. And mm-hmm. that's the way that I realized like, oh my God, this is not a joke. Like I need to help. Like there's the cooking and the cleaning, there's a childcare portion. There's all these different stations happening when you're, you know, a stay at home mom. Totally. Yep. And I, I remember hearing all these more experienced moms or moms with kids who are in their teens or college saying, I did it all on my own. And that was this phrase that I always remembered hearing. They did it all on their own as stay-at-home moms. And then I hear other people say like, oh, well, the grandparents were helping or they did have a housekeeper or they did have a nanny. And so I started wondering why are all these women describing it as this lonely experience where they did it all on their own? And it's because they managed it all on their own. And the more it's, it's exactly like a corporate job, the more resources you have, the goalpost moves, right? And I think of my parents, you know, when they built that dream house of like, the goalpost moved significantly for my mom. It wasn't just about raising kids and doing housework anymore. It was, you're expected to be involved in the community in a very significant way that you're making your home available for fundraisers on a regular basis. You're making um, your home available to, you know, foreign exchange students. And if my brother and I were on a sports team and there was like travel soccer or whatever it was, they stayed at our house. And it's like, the more resources you have, the goalpost moves. And that's why I hear all these moms saying, I did it on my own. It's sort of a reflection of how lonely of an experience it is and how much they're managing. I agree. And it is a management experience. And sometimes you're managing it completely on your own. And sometimes you can bring in help. Thankfully, I have help. Do you have anybody helping you? And if so, like what has been your experience, tips, like anything, how's that been going for you? So we just moved, we moved from Phoenix to Charlotte and, um, I think not having a network here, I've gotten more of the stay at home mom experience of doing it on my own. Um, when you don't have a network of, you know, your friends saying, Hey, you know, we have this woman who works in our home and she's cleaned our home for a decade and we love her and we think you'd be a good fit with her too. And can we hire this person? Right. We don't really have that here yet. And so I, it it is a little bit more of a, I'm not managing and kind of hiring like a house manager or this, that, or the other Uh, important fun announcement. We are getting an au pair and she arrives tomorrow (gasps) and she's from, yeah, super excited. So she's from Argentina. um, And I'm so excited to have another language in the house. We're going to have three languages spoken under one roof. We're super excited about it. Uh, And it'll give, I, Ashutosh is at that age where he needs a lot of play and a lot of activities. And I think that'll be a much better experience for him rather than me just trying to keep up with him all day. Yeah. How old is he? Like a year and a half? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that's the hardest age. Yeah. And we also, uh, we have an intergenerational household. My in-laws live with us. Oh, I didn't Um, know that. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, I wish I beg my mother-in-law to move in with us every single day. How is that? It's amazing. My people, there's like in-law jokes and I can't relate to them. So I'm fortunate in that way. (laughs) Same. You know, what's funny about that. So my mother-in-law and I, we will actually go on Facebook sometimes and I'll start reading her the nightmare stories that you hear of the in-laws. And then she'll separately tell me like the stories she's hearing from like her friends about the daughter-in-laws. Cause you know, it goes both ways. Yes. Yes. And there's often a lot of tension and it's like, we always joke. We're like, we have no drama. Like we can't, we can't relate. Like we're like, we're so we're like this and yeah. uh, it's very rare that you have that. So I'm so happy that you have that too. I mean, it's a game changer. Yeah. They're, they're wonderful. And I think for me, it's, it's part of like the goalpost moving with the resources, having them here. Yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful that, you know, they're teaching him Hindi and they go on these beautiful walks and, you know, learn about the birds and name different stuff that's going by that really like toddler experience of just being out exploring and, and having more people to explore with. Um, so that's, that's great. I think the idea that like grandparents are raising the kids that it sort of somehow lets the mom off the hook is, is totally false. The work, the, the mom work doesn't go away. It's an enrichment to the experience. It's not like a net deduction in effort in any way. I completely, I love it. Completely agree with that. I completely agree with it. Okay. So here's something that you and I talk about a lot privately. So going again, back to the ego thing and for me, like digesting this role and leaning into it as like, instead of feeling ashamed, (laughs) I'll be real blunt. Um, like I'm going to my 20 year high school reunion and I'm like, what am I going to say? I stay home. This is ridiculous. Like, and, and also our business school reunion, by the way, Yeah, these people are going to show up as CEOs making all kinds of fabulous, you know, moves and money and titles. And we're gonna be like, yeah, we stay home. Like it kind of is a punch in the gut. So like, what do you say to that? What do you say to this societal, perception and the way that we're told that that role, the the value and importance or lack thereof on the role, like what, how do you respond to it? How do, what's your thought on it? You know, I haven't really sorted that out for myself. I do recognize that I used to be one of those types of people that was like, I don't care what other people think about me, but in this situation, that's just not true because how other people think about you shapes your experience. It shapes your conversations. A perfect example would be we have, Yogesh and I have a friend, a married couple friends who the mom stays at home and the husband works and he's in finance and he was raising capital for something. And he asked to have a meeting with Yogesh. And I was like, what is it about our dynamic that would make him think that he's the right person to go to for that meeting versus you? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it was, it was an opportunity that we weren't interested in. It wasn't a fit for us. It's not what we do. Um, And so it was inconsequential. And so it's those types of things that it's like, when you're a stay at home mom, certain conversations aren't brought to you anymore. Mm, I love that. Okay. This is a funny one. Somebody said to me, I was newly meeting this couple. And I said to the guy, Oh, what do you do? 
oh, something in finance. I'm like, okay, well, what in finance? Like, because <laughs> I may or may not have a 20 year history and two degrees in finance. I'm thinking, like, I'm like, oh, okay. Like what specifically? Uh, oh, it has to do with like credit cards. I'm like, well, what specifically in credit cards? Cause he has no idea. So he, so he doesn't know who he's talking to and he's thinking I'm just this dumb blonde stay-at-home mom. And he's like, starts giving me these like really short answers. And by the time I finally play 20 questions with him. And I, I mean, I stopped after like three, cause I was already bored, but I already knew what I needed to know, but I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I know what you're, I know the industry I was offered to be a co-CEO of actually your competitor. It was just interesting that I, that's exactly the kind of like you nailed it. It's that type of experience. The point at which people start the conversation with you is assuming that, you know, nothing. Yep. And by the way, I always loved that. Even when I was working, I'm like, good. I want my hair super blonde. And one of my friends, she's like, Kimberly, you're so brave to be so blonde. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, given that people probably think that you're kind of stupid and like, you know, the, the area that you play in. And I was just cracking up. I'm like, oh, you don't even understand it. That is one of my best secret weapons. Like it's part of the, it's part of my most fun game that I play. Like, I love it when people underestimate me. Like when I bought my Mercedes for myself and the man was like, oh, you should call your husband and let him, you know, let him come in. And I was like, oh, what to tell him that I decided to buy it or not? Like, what do you, I don't understand. Like what come again? What, yeah. what does my husband have to do with this? Yeah. You um, get transported okay. back to the 1950s sometimes in yeah. how people treat you. Yeah. But I have to say, I've been reading Chris Jenner's book. Okay. And I've recently come to terms with the fact, like I've released some of that, like anger and disappointment. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest here, folks. It's so interesting though, because I think of you as this super confident in all of your decisions, like tons of charisma, sort of give no Fs type of person. And so to hear that you're, that even you struggle with the ego aspect of this is very reassuring that like, this must be something that's very hard to shake if, if even you have these feelings too. Oh, well, thank you. And you know what, here's what I think it comes down to. And this is like a concept that can be applied to literally anything in your life is like, it really all does boil down to expectations. Mm-hmm. And that's why I go right to the heart of like how you were raised and what were your expectations for yourself? That is the reason is because, and this can be true of like, if you're struggling in your marriage or a friendship or a whatever, it could be in something with yourself. Like it all comes down to expectations. And I think for me, where the hardest thing was, is that this was not what I had expected of myself. Yeah. Or I'm left with quite a bit of like disappointment, frankly, disappointment. It's like, this is not what I thought I was going to be doing, but then mm-hmm. like girl by with your little like sob story, because you get to kiss your kids. Good night. You get to be on the PTA and be the president or whatever my role might be that week or that year, whatever. Like I get to be so hands-on, like there's so many pros. It's just, yeah releasing that expectation of what I thought I was going to be or do and accepting it. And uh, it's taken me like probably three years. And I feel like this week. Yeah. (laughs) And you were, yeah, you're, you're saying that your mom was a a career woman. She wasn't a stay at home mom. And like, I'll tell you, I don't think my mom 
got the respect she deserved in her era. But I will tell you, I have friends to this day who are in their late 30s who, when they see my mom, will say, you were so influential in my childhood. I really appreciated you being there. You know, I, I really appreciate you taking me to church. I really appreciate you going to my dance recital. I remember you there. Oh my God. That is like beautiful. Are you crying? Cause I'm crying. Are you pregnant by the way? You I'm not right here right now. <laughs> I am, I am I'm not. not. I'm just <laughs> crying. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm still breastfeeding though. Those hormones will do stuff to you. I don't know how you're doing that girl, but good for you, honey. By the way, for the people listening, I know you can't see this. Well, I guess you can't really see this anyway, but I had done an episode on postpartum, like uh snapback. Okay. And I was not even close to budging a single pound. Um, but I am proud to update the people I'm standing away. So Hillary can see me. She looks good. Wait, she looks really okay. good. There's like short skirts happening. I mean, or whatever. I don't know what this is called. Some kind of jumper. Anyway, uh, a culotte. Is- your girl, Akula. <laughs> That's what those are called. Akula. Oh my God. Yes. Let's bring back culottes. Oh my God. Yes. I um, will say you are dressed impeccably and your hair and makeup is perfect considering we are doing something that's totally audio. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. I have to tell you that this is a, and this is what, this is going back to your frugal fire method. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided that I need to update my wardrobe from like the nineties. And so I started to do the shopping thing and I was like, holy crap, all these dresses are like three and $400. This is ridiculous. And then I shopped on Amazon and this is $20. Nice. Dala, Love it. Yeah. And also speaking of my falling face, I'm not wearing makeup, but I you look great. Get my, thank you. Thank I you. got I- some injections going and some IPL. Like I'm doing a, a glow okay. up. I love it. You look a fantastic. A little bit of a glow up, but it's it, in, in real life. It's a little bit like my face is starting to fall, but that's fine. I love, I love that you have your Amazon purchases and your target purchases. I did listen to your what to buy for baby episode. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to afford any of this stuff. And it was not at all what I expected. It was all super affordable. And I love that you was like the reason behind why you need it. It's not just buy baby gear to like sort of squelch the fear or like maybe if I buy something, this won't be as bad or that won't be as bad. It was like, you actually talked about how when you're breastfeeding, you get sweaty and sleepy. And you need to wear clothes that work for people. Don't talk about that. That was awesome. Well, that's what I like about podcasting. I like to talk about stuff that like nobody gave you the heads up on. Just wait till, till your son Tosh is like in sports and there, I mean, there's just so much that's going to happen in like the next two years for you, like socially, like the trauma of if your son starts a sport and sucks at it. And I'm not saying your son (laughs) will, I will say my son, I like how come no one told me that I was going to leave flag football in tears? I was crying. He was crying. <laughs> it was horrible. So we talk about all the things here. Okay. Thank you okay. so much for having me on. This was such a fun experience. Thank you for being on and everybody take a listen and rate us five stars and share this with your friends. And I hope that this was a wonderful time for you guys. All right, that is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram at Kimberly Lovey and let me know your thoughts about today's show. You can screenshot this episode and let us know what your biggest takeaway was and tag me at Kimberly Lovey and we can share it on our stories. I will see you again, same time, same place next week. <laughs>